This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of PMP Industry Insiders, where we look at what's changing in the industry and take you to the front lines to, to oh my gosh, Dan, this is great. I'm already fumbling my words and we just got started. Where we take you to the front lines, to those people who are making those changes. My name is Donnie Shelton. I am the owner of Triangle Pest Control, also the CEO of Colmarch, a digital marketing and sales services firm that uh, offers digital marketing in the home services industry with pests and lawn. And with me, as always, is Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello and introduce our very special guest for this podcast? Sure. Hello, everybody. Uh, Dan Gordon, PCO Bookkeepers, M&A Specialists in Turf Books, and um, uh, very excited about uh, today's guest. Today, we're going to be talking about how to recruit and retain eight players with Jean Seawright. Uh, she is the president of Seawright Associates. Uh, let me uh, give you the official intro. Since 1996, Jean has been the president of Seawright and Associates, a human resource consulting firm that specializes in providing advice and solutions to clients nationwide to reduce legal liabilities, enhance profits and productivity, improve morale, and ensure compliance with state and federal employment regulations. That was quite a bit. Jean is a frequent speaker at state and national trade associations, a columnist, author of numerous uh, articles and publications in the field of human resources, and also serves as an expert witness in lawsuits involving HR management, or HR matters, I'm sorry. And uh, we spoke to Jean last uh, spring when we launched our uh, COVID uh, webinar uh, series, and her uh, session was one of our most informative and well-attended events. So we're really excited to have her back on the podcast uh, to talk about recruiting, retaining, team members and uh what it is uh you know to bring in a players so uh so gene who exactly is an a player wow that's a loaded question <laughs> <laughs> is a donnie an a player <laughs> oh i definitely am not an a player i'm a bench warmer <laughs> uh, well, for most companies, A players are the people who get results. They're the employees who buy into the culture and the mission of the company. Um, they want to work. They enjoy working. They have what some of us in the old world would call a work ethic, uh, which is something very interesting. Uh, lots of people define it differently. But we have found that that is something that is developed in childhood, in the earliest years of a child, when they're watching their parents work, and it's an attitude about work. So we want people with good work ethics. A players have a great work ethic. A players uh, promote a company's image. They help retain customers, help keep them happy. 
they're mature, they have good judgment, there's a lot of attributes, but the bottom line is they get the results that the company is looking for. I, I love what you just said there, Gene, about it, it's more, you know, it's they buy into the culture. I, I remember years ago, I had a person that worked for me who, if you looked at them on paper, they were great. They're, you know, the callback numbers were great. The sales were great. Um, you know, production was in the slot, but they had the crappiest attitude. It's the only person I have had work for me that I literally got red faced and in their face and was yelling at them because this guy would drive me crazy. And finally, after two years, like I had this one part of me that was like, oh, I can't, I can't can this guy. He's killing it. But then it was just like negativity and just like always, I mean, this guy would walk in and no matter what route you gave him, it could be a route that he just walked from house to house. He would find something wrong with it and, you know, rail on the office and yada, yada. And finally, one day I'm just like, it's just not worth it. And I got rid of him. And so I think it's important what you just said about an A player is more than just a numbers person, right? Getting the right numbers. They, they completely buy in. Um, Dan, anything to add to that? What do you think is an A player? Well, um, we have a bunch of A players working with us. Um, but I like what you said about uh, it started early in life. Because um, I was wondering, and 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 uh, this is, I, I always, or my wife always told me that it was her that the reason our kids turned out so well. But now I'm beginning <laughs> Which to. Which is probably I, true. <laughs> but, but based on what you just said, I think I have a, uh, you know, <laughs> an argument. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think that um, it, it's a vision. It's a, it's an attitude. It's a culture. Um, and um, how how do you attract A players? That's the big thing, right? What 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 is it? What is it that's important to an A player? Well, you have to have a reputation in your industry and in your community as an employer of choice, and that definition has sort of changed over the years. And uh, there's a lot of competition from the standpoint that employees are bombarded today with endless opportunities from the internet. So you have to really stand out as an employer of choice. And some of it's very simple, like your image. And in this industry, in the pest control industry especially, you know, having a clean truck, uh, having uh, visible, um, logos that people recognize, dressing in sharp uniforms, there's an image and people are attracted to that. They want to work for a company that they believe cares about those things. Uh, the, the, when you have a good image, it, it demonstrates that you care about quality even. Uh, so it can start with simple things like that, but obviously there are many other things that contribute to being an employer of choice, including um, competitive pay, and benefits. Uh, flexibility today is very important to people. Time off is one of the biggest, most important benefits to the younger generations of workers. Um, and of course, we have a lot of people this year who are facing a lot of challenges with family and children who can't go to school. And so they're, they want to work for employers who understand that and are willing to make accommodations when necessary. Uh, but flexibility is a big thing today. So uh, so being an employer of choice is very different from what it was 15 or 20 years ago when it was really just straight benefits and pay. 
There's a lot so, more to it. So how do you know? Back up a moment just for a second here, because I think this is, you're, you're, you're making a, okay, so I have the benefit of get to operate two different businesses and, and, and one business is very millennial, Gen Z. I am the oldest person. Actually, I take that back. I have one person who's four months older than me, but I'm 45. I am the oldest. Um, and what's important to that crowd, very, very different than what's important to uh, the other business, which, you know, they tend to, they, they, they tend to slant a little bit older. And even me personally, like, you know, me, when I was growing up, I cared about, okay, what am I making per hour? What am I making total? If I've got to work 60 hours, I really don't care. I really care about what's the dollar amount. I can tell you from experience that time off by far for my younger crowd is, I mean, I, I just want to echo what you just said is that it's, that's extremely important even more important than money, which took me a little while to figure that out. But, you know, bringing this back around to where we started, I, I think, you know, we asked this question, who is an A player exactly? Well, there's no real answer to that question, right? It's what you think an A player is. I mean, obviously they have to get results. Gene made a very great point about talking about that. But, you know, an A player for me may not necessarily be an A player for Dan, and it may not be an A player for Gene. I, I think, you know, Step one is for if I'm if I'm, you know, Joe business owner, I need to sit down myself and decide this is what an A player is for me. And before I even get into trying to figure out, you know, attracting <laughs> who that if I'm not clear on who that is, I think it's going to be very difficult. You know, and I'm talking from a marketing guy now, you know. Oh, no, that's um, true. If you don't know what you're looking for. You can't attract it. Right, right, exactly. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Dan. But that's, I that's fine. Really as far as retaining it, it it's kind of interesting. Um, my son works for a very large accounting firm. And when I got out of college, I worked for the same firm, actually. And, uh, you know, uh, when we worked a lot of hours, it's because we were expected to. And, uh, you know, that's it. And, um, you know, with COVID and whatnot, he's working from home and they send him little care packages with cookies and things like that. And, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine how that would have went over, you know, 25 years ago. <laughs> but, uh, it's 25 years ago, Dan, maybe, uh, maybe. a little bit longer now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe 30. Well, but, but, uh, we, but the, the thing is he uses uh, computers. We used abacus. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's better. That's better. That's better. So, so let's talk about, Obviously, you know, um, and again, depending on who you define that that this person or, or you know, who these A players are going to be, um, you, you know, I think the two things are that you mentioned that are big, big players are, well, maybe three. One is your image, which, you know, let's let's face it, the pest industry already suffers from an image problem outside of just <laughs> a normal, right? Number one is image. Number two is pay and benefits. And then number three is time off. And then just kind of finding the right mix for that. Would you say that, is there any other than maybe those big three that you, that, that okay, these are the, the essentials. I know for me, like in, in my own business, those are the three things I focus on. I obviously I want a really good brand. I want folks to know that. And when I say a good brand, I mean, I actively manage what is being placed on Glassdoor. I look at that. I'm aware of how our folks are, um, grading us so so that would be my image because obviously there's an image for customers there's an image for potential employees pay obviously is always gonna i don't know that you could ever get away from that and then number three is time off anything else you can think of that's like almost the essential as far as attracting 
Yeah, well, I'll tell you what we see as some important drivers of of satisfaction with workers today. And, and, and the first is a clear mission. And that does relate to your culture. But a company needs a clear mission and they need to communicate that to their people and they need to create their hiring system around that. Um, in fact, their, you know, their entire uh, life cycle for an employee should be built around their mission. Um, second is high quality senior leadership. That is imperative to attract and retain talent today. High quality senior leadership. And then third, I would say uh, is career opportunities. Young people today mm. want to be, they're continuous learners. They want to know more and learn more. And so if they look at a company and see nothing but dead end jobs, they may take a job if they feel they have to, which is really not the case anymore today because they're bombarded with opportunities on the internet. Uh, but if they were to take it, they wouldn't stay very long because if there's no opportunity to grow into different roles um, and learn more, then they're not going to be satisfied. So that's in kind of an addition to what you're saying, somewhat related, but those tend to be the drivers of real satis job satisfaction today. So you said something interesting about, you know, how there's so many choices on the internet and whatnot. And in our business, we use Indeed and we use ZipRecruiter and whatnot. And we've heard that, um, you know, there's potential pitfalls. We also use recruiters, we pay recruiters. But what are some of the pitfalls of using these job boards? Um, you know, how could they actually be working against you? Yeah, that is such an interesting question. And, um, one that took us a while to figure out, but we uh, we dug deep into that to try to understand were these job boards really helping or really hurting companies. And um, it's, first, before I answer it, I'll just uh, a little bit of background on it. Most of the job boards that you all are familiar with and, and probably your listeners are like Indeed, Glassdoor, LinkedIn, Monster, CareerBuilder, ZipRecruiter, uh, Google for Jobs, Simply Hired. These are called aggregators. And essentially what they're doing is they are going out on the internet and gathering tens of thousands of job postings from job boards and internet sites all around the country. And they're consolidating them into a single searchable interface that uses, in most cases, a keyword search like Google, like we're familiar with with Google. These job sites do not exist to help employers. They exist to help job seekers. That is their market. Their goal, and it sounds like they should be the same thing. If they're helping you fill a position, aren't they also helping the seeker? But you know, we know we know from our own business experience that we have customers, and we know who our market is, and we build our business around satisfying the customer. So just apply that principle to a moment to these job uh, sites. Their customer is a job seeker, so everything they've done is to help the job seeker. So how does that affect? The employer. Well, first of all, when you post on one of these sites, you are attracting people. You're pulling from a pool of people who are have these endless opportunities, and they are and can be lured away um, from you at any moment. And a good example of that is when you post your job and somebody decides to click on it to look at it. The moment they click on it on many of these sites there will be another pop-up that comes onto their screen that says, oh, if you're interested in this job, you might also be interested in these. 
So they can't even get into your job uh, posting before they're being lured away to, uh, to, to see other jobs and hear about other jobs. Um, and so you're, you're competing against that in a sense. It's not helping you. It's, you know, it's taking, taking people away. Um, another uh, drawback is the way that the sites work with the keyword matching technology. And you may recall hearing the ads, they're all over the you know, radio or TV, I forget which one, but it's you know, about Indeed. And, you know, the moment you post a job on our site, you, our site, you receive a list of qualified candidates from our database, our, our resume bank or resume database. And that's true. So people who upload their resumes or have Indeed create one, create one for them, they're in a bank of resumes. And the moment you post your job and you select your keywords, being matched up with candidates who are already in the resume bank and you immediately get resumes problem is those people aren't really interested in your job they're not the ones who are actively reading the ad and saying oh wow you know see right pest prevention man i really that sounds interesting i'd like to i'd like to apply to that job so you'll get all these resumes and what we see happen with our clients is they start calling these candidates and uh, reaching out to them by email, whatever method. And the candidate will say, you're, you're who? From where? About what? <laughs> and so you're, get, you're basically, talk about recruiting, right? You know, you're twisting someone's arm who really didn't have an interest in your job in the first place. And of course, the problem is people whose resumes go into these banks, they just don't take them out. They keep them there. So they're continually hearing about opportunities. This, this is where we get into your own employees being continually recruited too. So they may have a job, they may have gotten a job, but they're still in the bank. So you're still gonna get their information. And so you're, you're wasting a lot of time in many cases, trying to run down people who aren't sincerely interested in your role. Um, <clears throat> So that's that's um, that's the the other you know. That's, that's kind of interesting. The applicants are the customers, yet we as employers are paying to you paying know for so, it. So that's taking right. our money. That's right. So we're getting the runaround. That's they, right. We've definitely All searched right. the resume hang data. On. Hang on, hang on. I gotta play. I gotta play the devil's advocate here for a moment. Go ahead. Just for a little bit. So I'm a business owner. I've got summer coming up. I've got 20 people to hire. A players are not on the job boards or, okay, where do I go, number one, to find these people if, it's, if they're not on the job? And how do I get that many people? You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like, I know for, for me, you know, Indeed is kind of our bread and butter. And, you know, so, so I'm learning. I mean, Gene, this is obviously news to me. Um, but I... I don't know how else, like, how do I hire 20 people in, say, a month or two months? And, and you know, hey, okay, if, if, if this, if Indeed is not the, the place to go, then how do I get that many hires? And how do I, where do I find these people at if they're not there? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it is a, a problem that a lot of employers share. But the first thing is we have to have a different mindset about recruiting. Recruiting is really talent sourcing. Okay. Uh, and it's not something that should be done only when we have a need. It is a mindset and a company has to adopt a, a talent acquisition mindset. And that means training our managers and our people to always be looking out for uh, talented people who might fit the team. 
So, and that, that takes me to, a, I have a list of, of a list of 25 ideas for sourcing talent on an ongoing basis. And it's a very, comp, it's, there's a comprehensive program sort of associated with recruiting and attracting people. It's everything from making presentations in high schools to science classes and talking about pests and bugs um, to, uh, to, yes, posting on job boards as a part of a larger strategy. But the number one thing that you can do in your company to uh, attract more A players, assuming you have A players, is to have a very robust and strong um, employee referral bonus program. You want your A players tapping into their networks of people to, uh, to attract those people uh, into your company. And everybody has a network today. And if you is just- that, Is that $500 referral bonus? Is that $2,500? Like, you know, what, what is that? I mean, is, and what does it work, yeah, right? I mean, I- today of the $50 referral bonus after a year. You can forget <laughs> that. Uh, there needs to be a quick payout and over time, we're recommending that companies do something after 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, spread it out. And it does need to be several hundred dollars to be effective. People aren't gonna tap their personal networks if it's not worth it. Now, obviously, if you have people who love your company and they are the A players, they want their friends to be there so that they have, uh, they have an incentive that way. But you want to have a, uh, you know, we have we have clients who are offering literally ten thousand uh, dollars for a top position uh, for a referral. And uh, so now I'm not suggesting that that is necessary in this industry, but you know it needs to be worth their while. We we just paid a recruiter eleven thousand dollars for for a client manager and accountant, and I'm happy to do it all day long because they work out very well and. They do all the vetting and, and, and whatnot. But I've, I've definitely seen where I go into the resume database and get all excited about the resumes and then make the calls and then get the reaction. You're who, what, why? You know, I definitely. <laughs> well, the other have. thing I would say too is, Dan, you and I have a mutual client and I've heard him say multiple times it costs him anywhere from, from $3,800 to $5,000 per hire. Right. And so if you're giving out $2,500, who cares? You're still, I, you yeah, know. exactly. It's like, so I don't, I mean, I'm not going to give a number that someone should or should not use. I mean, obviously there's folks all over the country listening to this podcast, but I, I think it's, well, I know at those companies, we are pretty uh, liberal in, in that bonus. And we do exactly what you just said there, um, Gene, is that we give it out, you know, there's, there's an immediate and then there's a six month, and then the biggest payout is actually at the year. So uh, yeah. At the year mark. Yeah, and you could have a contest where anybody who refers somebody, their name goes into a drawing, and at the end of the year, you can give away a great prize, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, uh, big screen TV, you know, something fun like that to keep them motivated all year long, uh, as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, question for you. Obviously, um, our industry, the pest control industry, traditionally you know, uh, has always been a, a man's world. And in the last several years, there have been lots of women uh, at all levels joining. And uh, I know that there was an NPMA study that, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of laid out how do you attract women, which is 
assuming that's 50% of the population, if you can uh, get that out there. Um, do you have any tips for uh, recruiting or uh, targeting uh, women to, to work for you? And uh... I do, yeah, that, was, that study uh, was one that I conducted on behalf of MPMA probably 12 years ago now, maybe even a little bit longer. And at that time, they were concerned about the number of women in the field and wanted to find out why women weren't getting into the field and what was maybe stopping that and what companies could do to attract and hire more women. So we embarked on this study. And I have to tell you, at first, I was uh, not interested in it. I um, <laughs> you would think I would be because I'm a woman. Uh, but I, I really thought yeah. this this is not going to go anywhere. And I'm not a, at the time, my thought was I'm not a, you know, like woman's advocate. Um, and so I just feel like we ought to hire the most qualified person. And why do we want to focus on women? I mean, I really had these thoughts back then. And I thought that, you know, they're asking me to do it. So I will. And I have to tell you, um, you know, where I started off thinking it was going to be boring and not useful, what I found was quite the opposite. Um, I began to see there were compelling business reasons why PCOs should hire and retain women. And most of those reasons, uh, all of them had to do with labor force and demographic realities that I learned about uh, then. And I spoke to women all over the country in all kinds of positions. And th there weren't a lot, uh, but I spoke to so many to find out what they had in common, first of all. Was there something about them that attracted them to the industry that I could create a profile of, uh, you know, of a woman in a, in a, at the time, a technician role? Uh, which are now calling pest management professionals. Um, and it was so interesting to hear what they had in common and what, you know, most of them at, at that time, you know, they, they grew up with brothers. A lot of them did. They were never afraid of bugs. Um, they killed bugs when they were little. Um, one lady uh, said to me, you know, I, I said, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a dirty job and, you know, killing bugs and, you know, I mean, you really enjoy that? And she said, Killing bugs is no worse than changing a diaper. <laughs> he is right. Amen, sister. I just was saying, Amen, sister. Absolutely. No, I, I, I can definitely agree with that one. One hundred percent. Yeah. So we, we took all I that. Kill bugs. It was fun. We, 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 you know, I took all that information, and I, uh, at the end of the day. Uh, when I was convinced that absolutely this industry had to make some strides. And I studied other industries at the time that had done it and done well. Law enforcement was the one I focused on. They made an all-out effort starting in the year 2000 to hire more women. And who of us today has not seen a female patrol officer? Um, and they did it because they were going through a paradigm shift in policing and they wanted to move towards a community policing model. Um, and they had long attracted people who came out of the military, the tough guy uh, mentality, and they knew they needed to change that. And so they, uh, they received some funding from the Department of Justice and a grant, and they created a, 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 a center for women's policing. And they did a study that is phenomenal. And to this day, I would recommend it to anybody looking to increase the ranks of women in their business. But they talked about um, how to attract and retain women in a very difficult industry for, for women. And they did a great job. So I looked at all of that. And, and like you said, Dan, I saw you know half the labor force are women. And then I started to look at things like um, uh, future projections of the labor force and uh, the rate of men declining in the labor force and why that was. 
uh, and and what what businesses were up against in the future. And there uh, there was no question. I was I was convinced that that women uh, had to be hired. So at the end of the day, um, I put together presentations. I went around uh, to various conferences and spoke about the results. And I created um, a list of these strategies for hiring women uh, and for uh, attracting them. I actually created an ad, um, a posting, a job posting that uh, companies could use to attract more women into pest prevention positions. Um, and this was so, again, this was 12, 13 years ago. And I was one of the lonely voices going around saying things like, you know, if you have um, a picture of a chemical can, in your logo, it's not gonna attract women. And this was based on what the women were telling me. I was going around saying, you know, if the name of your company is The Bug Man, you're probably not gonna attract a lot of women. Um, if you have an icon associated with your company that is a man, you're probably not gonna attract a lot of women. These are things that automatically women will say, this is a man's job. And, and if you're using the word salesman, technician, these are words that are typically affiliated with men. And so we have to begin to think about making this paradigm shift. And so I was uh, very interested in the, in the in, you know, a new title. We came up with Pest Management Professional, working closely with MPMA as well. Uh, and um, that's what, that was the beginning of all of that. Um, and so here we are today now, and these things are common. Um, and we're seeing other industries now make great strides. Construction now has 10%. Uh, of that industry is comprised of women. And we now see women on job sites. You see them, I see them. But the bad news is our industry, the pest control industry, is not making the same strides. In fact, we've gone backwards. So you've mentioned two things now, and I wanted to see if you'd be willing to make this available to our listeners. You've mentioned an ad that is designed for women, and you've also mentioned kind of sources of where you can try to find these A players. Would you be willing to share that with with our listeners? Absolutely. It's an ad and it's strategies, strategies for attracting women. And yes, I would be happy to share those with your listeners. The ad does not say a word about being a woman. So you're not going to yeah. see an ad that says, you know, women welcome here because uh, you can't right. do that. Uh, this right. ad has terminology and language in it that appeals to women and I have been told by many PCOs around the country who have used it that it works. I get personal phone calls from people saying I can't believe it it works. So I'm happy to share that and the strategies. So we'll make that available on our uh, emails and, and, and whatnot and if, if yeah. you don't see it you can either call Cold March or PCO Bookkeepers and, and we'll get that uh, because Absolutely. I think it's important. Okay, we are two-thirds of this podcast, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about retaining A players. Um, and so I want to switch gears here a little bit. Um, well, before I get into it, I got one more topic. I, I said I was going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I know a lot of folks, myself included, use recruiters. Um, what are your thoughts on bringing on a recruiter? When should you grab a, you know, use a recruiter? Is it essential? Is it necessary? Um, what are your thoughts on using recruiters? I well, guess also, can, can, can you fractionalize them between different companies? So three non-competing companies get it. Lots of questions there, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's start with, do you need one? Um, and I get asked that by clients often. And I'll start by saying, well, why do you think you need one? 
And if the answer I get is, you know, we're, we're ha we have a lot of people to hire, my next question is, is it due to turnover or is it because you're expanding and growing? Because if you have a turnover problem, then a recruiter is not the person to solve that. Uh, you need to dig deep and find out why people aren't staying. What you really have is a retention problem, not necessarily a recruiting problem. So first be certain that you actually do need a recruiter. Um, and then- can we, define, can we define high turnover? Like what would that, what would, what would you say is, I'll start with you, Dan. I know we keep giving all these questions to Jean. Obviously she's the expert. What would you consider to be high turnover? Is it 10% well, of your workforce, 20%? Like what, you know? What, I think it depends on the industry. So in our accounting firm, our turnover is almost non-existent. But, you know, our clients, I don't know, Gene, what, what do you think? 20% is not a, a big number. I, I think 20% is probably a common number in this industry. I have not seen a survey conducted recently nationwide to know. I think the last one was a survey that MPMA sponsored and PCT might have had something to do with it, if I recall correctly. But um, I don't remember the numbers. It was definitely changed based on the position. Certain positions turned over more quickly right. than others. But right. um, you know, the cost of turnover is if you just if you have a 20% number and you and you run the direct and indirect cost of turnover, you're going to see it's it's an enormous number. So 20% is a lot, uh, but I think that's a common a common number right now. And you know what's funny is, as a business owner, I would never accept 20% customer churn. I would be, oh, wow. I would be going crazy. Are you freaking kidding me? You know, we got to replace 20% of our customer database every year. Just I would not even. tolerate it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just definitely a mindset there. So okay, yeah. keep going. Sorry. So no, that's good. And by the way, you know, the tenure, the job tenure for the younger workers today is less than, you know, the middle age to older workers. Uh, it's somewhere around 3.5 years. So there's going to be some turnover for that reason. If you can't keep those younger people, you know, attached through, like I said, continuous education or what have you, so you're going to have that. Um, so, so then once you know you, you have a need for that, then you have to really ask yourself, okay, um, what is it I want this recruiter to do? Because um, today uh, the candidate pool is active and easily available to employers. So uh, you could have many people in your company who could go on Indeed and pull resumes. Now reading resumes and reading between the lines of a resume is an art. But if you're going to just sure. hire someone to post and pray, do you really need that? You have to ask yourself that. I think when most of us talk about recruiting, what we're really talking about is sourcing, sourcing talent. And so if the person, all they've ever done is post and pray, they're not really sourcing talent. What you need is someone who can access the passive pool of workers. The people who are not constantly looking for a new job, who don't put their data, their resume in the database so that they can hear about every new opportunity with more money. Uh, you want to mm. tap into the passive market. So if you're going to hire a recruiter, make sure that you hire someone who, uh, who understands how to source candidates using creative methods, not just job boards. Today, a recruiter is part headhunter, 
part digital strategist and part customer service expert. They're selling. Oh my gosh, that is. I, again, I can't help but my my brain keeps going back to customers. I, you know, customers I hate are Groupon customers. You know, I hate them. They're always looking for a deal, right? And just exactly what you just described, right? These folks who are always looking for a job, they're not sticky. They're usually a pain in the butt, right? But the folks I love, new move-ins, new homeowners, right? Folks who, okay, you know, it, it, we, we're going to establish kind of this long-term relationship. So that's a yeah, that's such a great point about recruiters and this whole idea of, of, of your strategy really should be on the passive pool not necessarily on the active pool because it's almost like you're bottom feeding um, when you're when you're when you're recruiting those folks. So excellent point so, on that. So is there a formula like if I hire 20 people a year, I need a recruiter. If I hire 50 people, I need a recruiter. Is there any kind of formula that you would say, or could you fractionalize and get three or four companies together and share somebody? Oh, I'm sure you can. Right now, the way to get a recruiter is to go on to one of these job boards. <laughs> uh, that has freelancers, okay, yeah. like Fiverr or another job board like that, where you can pick up a freelance recruiter. That's what that's what some companies do, and those people are working for multiple employers. Now, mm -hmm. again, I've got my issues with that because I really feel strongly about hiring the right people. Um, and so there's no formula because it also depends on how robust your HR function is, and if you have an HR function. Um, you know, people who are assisting with that. And we see all different models today. We have clients that have pushed uh, the HR down to the branch manager level. They do a great job educating their branch managers and they do the recruiting and hiring. Um, they're very knowledgeable. We have others who have, you know, uh, fully staffed HR functions that do that. So it really depends on, on the company. And again, how adamant you are about the culture, because there are some companies uh, with you know great reputations in your industry, in the pest control industry, who would never outsource to a recruiter because they know what they're looking for and they don't trust anyone to, you know, to make those decisions um, when they're reading a resume and interviewing and hiring. It's too important. So, uh, but then again, there can be great, great recruiters. You'd have to watch out for the ones who have what we call a fill and bill mentality. And that mentality comes from a lot of times working for a temp agency where the objective was to fill and bill, fill the position and bill the client. And that's just mm -hmm. really getting a warm body in. And so we, you don't want that in a recruiter. Um, also, I would say that, you know, when you are thinking about, do I need a recruiter? Sometimes what a company really needs is an HR person and not a recruiter. And they're very two different uh, people. Uh, recruiters aren't familiar oftentimes, mo mo typically not familiar with all the laws and regulations, state and federal employment regulations. They're not experts in the risk mitigation side of a business. Um, they, they don't have the knowledge of the soft side of HR, the organizational development, all of that. Um, and likewise, a, a lot of HR professionals are not recruiters. There's an art and, and a science to that too. So be careful about, you know, hiring a recruiter to become your HR professional and so. So a recruiter is a salesperson. Basically, they, they're out there prospecting every day and trying to close sales. Yeah, but the other, the other part I heard from that is your HR person is your culture person. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like, yeah, your your recruiter is your salesperson, your HR person is your culture person. Which, by the way, 
you would hope that to be the case. I I am going to, I don't even know if I should say this because I have two HR people who obviously report to me. And I, it gets mind numbing sometimes because I, all I hear is like, this is what we can't do. This is, this is against the law. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to hear that. This is what I want to do. <laughs> Not saying we break the law, by the way. I just want to throw that out there for Christmas. I'm just saying that, you know, there's oftentimes when I'm just like, my gosh, can we do anything? You know, um, anyway, it's just. Yeah, you know, and, and here's one other point I want to make about recruiters and, and whoever's doing the hiring. The resume. Okay, There is absolutely an art to reading a resume. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Let's say you get a stack of 100 resumes for, for applicants. And you have that stack on your desk. And you get, you know, a third of the way through and you think you've got a great candidate and you call that candidate and you, you pursue that candidate. But in reality, the perfect person for that job was three quarters of the way down in that stack. And you either looked at it and bypassed it, didn't get to it, or for whatever reason, because you don't know how to read a resume and read between the lines, you passed on them. The person reviewing and reading the resume is making an employment decision at that moment. And if you are trusting that to someone who doesn't know how to read between the lines, you may miss out in the perfect person. I mean, there is no perfect, we know that, but you get the point. Uh, the yeah. ideal candidate for the job, you could miss that person by virtue of just having the wrong manager read the resume. So, so what are some common um, uh, things that people miss or that they should look for in a resume that maybe they don't? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of things that can be missed. But uh, what I suggest is, it, it, again, it takes this takes time. And that's one of the issues. Today, people just don't <laughs> want to spend the time reading. It requires reading and time. But I suggest you take that resume and you start backwards. And you look at where they went to school. And then you begin to formulate this picture in your mind of a person and what their interests are. And you begin to follow their career. And you look at what states they lived in. Did they move from state to state to state? You look at their positions and, and, and see if they made progression in their uh, what appears to be the scope of the job. You look at the length of service on each job. You look at the gaps in between. You really read what they say they're doing and ask, is this really a result or is this fluff that they're getting from some job description? People who review the resume should be familiar with the, the field. So for example, me reviewing a resume for someone for your company, Dan, I don't know, financial, uh, you know, uh, what it might mean to be in different financial roles, but I can review a resume for HR and tell you many things about that person what I'm seeing. So start backwards and work your way forward and begin to paint this picture of this person, um, who they are, and what their interests are, and uh, are they the type, are you reading lines like a recruiter? If I read a recruiter resume and all I see is that they, they uh, you know, they beat all the time to fill uh, 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 requirements in terms of timing, they, they onboarded, you know, um, a thousand people in a week, you know, whatever those statistics might be, how do I know that person really cares about hiring the right individual? What I want to see is a recruiter who has some verbiage on their resume that talks about uh, ensuring that they found and attracted and, and recruited people 
who fit the culture. So just re, you know, reading it carefully. So, all right, we are out of time and I'm gonna, I wanna close our podcast here with one, one last question and then, and then we gotta, we gotta be done. And we didn't even get to retaining, which, which I think we can all agree. If you've got the right culture, if you got a growing company, there's a place for people to grow. I think you're gonna be just fine. Um, that's, that's pretty high level, but so my question is, if you want to tap this passive network, obviously there's friends of A players, whatever that definition is for you. What are some other sources? If it's not, say, Indeed, if it's not, you know, Google Jobs, um, obviously those, I mean, I, I love your point about it's part of a, it's part of your overall strategy, but what are some other, I guess, areas that you can tap into this passive network? Folks who are not necessarily looking, but given the right opportunity, could potentially join your business. I'll give you one great idea that okay. change everything for a company. Have some business cards, size, type, I'm gonna call it a business card created, that's like a recruiting card with, um, a, a, looks like a business card, but on the back, maybe it lists your benefits, great things about your culture. Teach your managers to carry these cards with them. And when they are encountering someone in the general public who is a standout service person, maybe, maybe it's someone in a restaurant, maybe it's someone that they just see working hard outside, <laughs> mowing lawns, or it could be in the industry. They go up to that person and say, you know, um, I noticed that you're working really hard here. And um, there's maybe going to come a time in your life when you want to make a change in your career. Uh, and if that time ever comes, we've got a great organization. Give us a call. And uh, we'd like to tell you about it. That's passive. That's, that's tapping into people who may not, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even apply, perhaps. Right. Getting the word out there and identifying people who look like they might fit in terms of how hard they're working or how they're behaving. So basically turn your company uh, folks into all recruiters. Everyone becomes a recruiter. Yes. yes. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And, well, and Gene, thank you for, the, the, uh, for, for bringing them in. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I, you know, I would gladly pay, uh, you know, again, I, even $2,500 is a deal these days. So sure. um, this, Gene, this has been phenomenal. I know we didn't get through all of our questions, but just, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think this is going to be extremely helpful for our listeners. I know for me personally, I learned a lot. Dan, any closing thoughts before we finish up here? No, just a terrific conversation. It always is. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of PMP Industry Insiders. If you found this podcast helpful, please uh, like us. Um, well, I mean, more than like us as just people, right? Maybe actually go on and like us on, uh, on, on Apple Podcasts there. Subscribe. Tell your folks about it. And for, with that, we're going to sign off this time and we'll see you all later. Thanks again, Gene.